It's time for the What in the Podcast. Welcome to the What in the Podcast with your hosts, Kent Whittington and Adriana Camito and Tracy Lynn Hernandez. Hello and welcome to the What in the Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, Tracy. Hello, Adri. Hello. <laughs> Tracy, well, we know, don't, we know, don't we know take how my Adrian name is in vain. No, 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 I don't take anybody's name in vain. We know, we know how Adria is. She's got her nose in a book right now, which is fine because we are actually recording tonight our Halloween episode from Bethany's Haunted Home, home Sweet Home. No, ha- Home Sweet Haunted House. Thank you. You're right. I get it wrong every time. It's okay. The <laughs> house knows I mean well. Too here. We're back for part two, and this time we get to spend the night. Yeah, that's right. We are staying the night in the house. Um, this house oh, was recently so named as one of the top 24 most haunted houses. Oh, no, 25. 24. 24? Oh. According to Forbes magazine. Well, if it's in the top 24, it's also in the top, top 25. 25. <laughs> Along with us tonight, since you've already heard other voices, are. More voices, more voices. We have. Hi, I'm Jessa. I'm Adri's sister. Mm-hmm. And. Harla, Tracy's friend. Mm-hmm. Might as well be my sister. And we also have. Lion. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome. So this is our Halloween episode, and I thought that tonight we could share some some uh, scary Halloween stories. Except, of course, with us, they have to be true. And I did manage to find a few. So how, how about how about we, we do you know a bit of what so far has happened in the house? We can do that. Like yeah, since here, we're here, we might as well. Last time when I came in here, the house was like, hi, you're here. Oh, goody. This time I was like, okay, you're back type feeling. Mm-hmm. We're downstairs. We're having snacky bits after dinners. And I hear my phone, which, by the way, is on do not disturb at all. I hear my kids ringtone. Mommy. So, okay. No missed calls. No messages. Reach out. What's going on? I, you know. There's no missed call, but your ringtone went off. What's going on? And the kid says, I didn't call you. My computer just forced reboot, and the house lights are going wonky. Okay. So the the workshop lights are buzzing. Well, that's that's nothing unusual. They're, they're, they're about seven years old. They're supposed to do that eventually. But, they do that because they can see us through the wall. Yeah. Well, no, Elsie no. told us last time. The lights are going on. I'm talking with the lights at my house. Oh, in your house. Okay. I thought you were talking about the hall lights because then you're talking. The hall lights are going on. My house doesn't have awesome lights like this. So, yeah. So, checking with the baby demon, the the five foot, 10 inch pygmy. Yeah. So, she was mentally reaching out at me as the house is doing this. And so, the the house has definitely stepped up its 
it's now that we're here and settled in, it wants to let us know that we're here or it's here. Just saying. And then we went on a little tour. Mm -hmm. And Harla felt the vortex I felt last time. Yep. You want to tell us what it felt like to you, Harla? It felt like a pressure uh, stopping me, wanting me to stop. Like, uh, not that I wasn't, um, not that I wasn't welcomed, but it like like a warning. It felt like um, this would happen if I kept going, kind of feel. And then when I moved out of the room. Um, into the front of the first part of the basement, it was like a whoosh of calmness. It was very interesting, very unique feeling. What's funny is when you stopped, I had this sudden urge to laugh at you. And it, <laughs> it, it was like, I don't know. And, and then like this mild amusement, like, and you said there's, the, yeah. the guardian guys, like, yeah, yeah they're fine with it. Oh, yeah, he's, he's, he's there. Now, now, I have to give further back, though. When we were last year, I went to work that following Saturday. Because mm -hmm. everyone knows I work part-time at Evangeline's fixing all the costumes. I think I, have, I was way too amped up and way too open because I had the things in the store rattling my cage and giving me bad thoughts <laughs> for an employee, a coworker <laughs> who I've known for too many years. Because if the different feeling was, you should jump them and just see what happens to you. Like, Excuse please, that's not my brain speaking. I'm not, I'm in charge here, am I not? So this house lets me open up. It's another reason why I want to be here so damn much because I want to get the energy flow. I want to be able to walk into Evangeline's on Saturday going, hey, Evangeline's, this is my end of season. What are we going to do? And I can almost guarantee I'm going to get clubbed by a two by four in the store. Because <laughs> that's what the store does. And that is an active store. It is a very active store. I, you, just walking in and being even the remotest bit sensitive, you can feel things going on in there. And I love the place. I mean, I love Evangelines. It's like my go-to place when I go to old Sacramento. Love it. But it's, you can feel it. There, There is no calm in that store. <laughs> well, the store has its own energy and then people mm -hmm. coming in and out all the time. Mm -hmm. As popular as the store is, it adds to that energy. And yeah. I told you about the time that we had no music in the store. It was being accounted. They were doing the accounting so they can do this. The whatever the heck it is that you pay for the music. Mm -hmm. So all music was off. And every person on the second and third floor was bopping the same beat of a song that none of us could hear because the store was like, no, it was supposed to be music playing. So here, you're all just to do it. We are so all bouncing to the same. So the store played its own music. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because Frank and the others know that some that's supposed to be going on here. It's supposed to have noise. It's supposed to keep you I'm not going to say aware or, or keep you alerted. It's just it's supposed to keep you on the same energy level. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, okay, that was my my blurb. Okay. <laughs> Alrighty then. Nothing wrong with that. So, I am recording down the hall again, though. Oh, you are? Yes, yes. right. You are. So, we're going to see if we catch anything. Did tonight. you ever add any of the photos I took? 
no. to our group page. No, uh, I sent them to you. You sent me a picture of the puppy. You didn't send me a picture of the photo of what you got from her either. Yeah, I'm afraid that's kind of what happened. No, I sent pictures. You sent pictures of the puppy. Oh no, that I sent the picture and the picture of the puppies. It was picture of puppies that came through. Oh, I'll have to go have, back and check. We'll have to go back and check. <laughs> I sent them all to him, and he was supposed to add them to the group page. Well, if I didn't get them, I can't have them. So, we'll make them again. Okay. Yep. So anyway, I thought tonight, since it, it, this is our Halloween episode and we are in a haunted house, we could spend time telling some spooky ghost stories. But like I said, being they us, be true. they have to be true stories. So I did some internet searching, and I did find a few. Um, I sent you guys links so you can read along if you want. Um, sorry about you guys. I don't have all your. your I'm normally an so. outsider on this, so it's all good. <laughs> I'll just hand you a thing. You're, here, you're so. here for reaction then. <laughs> um, and I sent you guys the link, but I might veer off on a couple and do some other stuff. That's that fine. You're right. So who would like to tell the first one? <laughs> she admitted it. I'm sorry. No, I said it's your right. Oh, I thought she, I thought, right. I heard you're right. right. Not it's, it's your right. It's your right. It's what I said. How about that? Everybody heard you that I'm right. <laughs> I never said it. Well, I wouldn't actually say that because you're not always right. I'm not always right. Oh, well, yes, I am. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, it's nice that some of you back me up anyway. Wait, 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 wait. You can't always be right. You disagree with me sometimes. Almost never. <laughs> Almost. She did say sometimes. <laughs> I heard clearly the word sometimes. If By I, your own admission. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> Get to the stories. All right. Well, the first, <laughs> Sorry. first story I'm going to tell is from uh, a Yahoo website um, from Monsters Among Us. They have a podcast also, and they ask people to come on and tell some of their true stories. So I'm going to relate one of those. Did you see what it was written? When it was written? This morning. How about 11 that? Maybe it's it a little published. too soon to tell that story then. <laughs> Maybe we should skip on and do something else. We can do these. Any of them will do. I we have some can, others. We can, so. we or can just credit it into a BS section, uh, session and just hang out. We, I, can, we can definitely credit the 12 real ghost stories, serious stories to share on Halloween mm -hmm. that Sarah Lemaire, the Meyer, has put together on here because... This is awesome. It's today. Mm -hmm. This morning. These are current. As I was dropping the older of the two munchkins I watch off at school. And to, I'm a nanny. To Derek Hayes, <laughs> who is the host of Monsters Among Us, I apologize if we're jumping the gun here. We don't. We definitely don't want to step on your toes. But these are great stories, and we'd well, love to yeah, share them. We love the stories, so. So let's do the first one here. You want to do it? Or shall I? Or Adrian, would you like to start? Sure, make me start. I will do the you're first one. You're not even there. You're not even there. I know. I can see from your face. You're, you've got your face in your game instead of actually reading this stuff. Uh huh. Uh huh. So I will do I the have first a one. Going on in my game. I want to play my game. <laughs> so do I, but mine's down the hall. Anywho, the imaginary friend is told by as told on Monsters Among Us. Jacqueline from Oklahoma says that while her memories have faded some over the years, she remembers having an imaginary friend of her own. When she was young, her grandparents, Granny Junie and Pa Hank, lived in a small home with a quiet backyard. Jacqueline recalls visiting them as a child, making daisy chains out of dandelions and sitting beneath the big tree. I have good memories of, of my Pa Hank, Jacqueline says in the podcast. He would send out the truth with me and tell me stories. 
The stories are often about his life and memories of prohibition. Gee, we're in a house with prohibition happening. In, that happened That's in. true. He was actually a very interesting character, she said. I have some cool stories, but I'm grateful that I have that sorry, that I am grateful that I got to have. The only problem? Her grandfather died in 1981. Jackson was born in 1982. I don't think I ever realized that I was getting ghost, getting stories from a ghost, she said, adding that the rest of the family was aware of his presence in the house. My granny Junie would never stay in the house on the, on the anniversary of his death. She said he did die in that house. Jacqueline also recalls hearing Pa Hank get up in the middle of the night when she was staying at the house. It never occurred to me that these were memories of an entity, she said. In hindsight, Jacqueline says that even though her childhood's imaginary friend was actually her dead grandfather, it cast a different light because it was a relative and not a stranger. It never felt like a ghost. It felt like it was talking to my pa, Hank. Okay, well, I'm going to jump off uh, track to a different website here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this is the Jezebel website, and these are actually from yesterday also. <laughs> We have some very current ghost stories going on here. Uh, this one is called Room 4. Okay. As it goes, it says, Fresh out of nursing school, I got my first real job in a fairly large hospital in a department that I honestly never thought I would ever work in. It was a six-bed cardiac ICU with rooms that overlooked the city capitol building. It was a very nice unit, and I started out working 12-hour night shifts. The hospital I worked at had four other ICUs that were always full, so my unit always ended up being code bed, meaning if someone was arrested or went downhill fast, somewhere around the hospital, they came to us. I had been working there for a year, and I was no stranger to death. Each patient of mine who had died on my shift was usually already on their way out. Their families were by their side. The DNR order was signed. The funeral home was already picked out. It was rarely ever a surprise. In fact, the only time I was ever needed to do CPR on my shift, it was not even in my department. So I went on a nice long two-week vacation, got engaged, and had a beautiful tan. On my first night back, I received a report from the day charge nurse. She said she was off for a few days and suggested to remind the next day charge nurse that the priest was coming in the morning to bless room four. I thought she was kidding at first, but she was serious. Apparently, I was on vacation. Very every patient. Apparently, while I was on vacation, every patient who was admitted to that room had died. But this came as no shock to me. People died often in our department, and it's and it being a very religious institution, having a chaplain for almost every department, I just shook it off. Then she said that room four was empty and that it would serve as code bed for the night. Around 2 a.m. I got a call saying that they have someone to fill our open bed. The ICU downstairs was now going to be code bed. So we were getting run-of-the-mill chest pain, take a look in the morning kind of patient. Nothing to get excited about. We get the patient admitted and all settled in room four. He was a gentleman about 50 or so years old very pleasant. His wife was with him and she looked dead on her feet. I got her some warm blankets and took her, took her to our waiting room that had caught so she could get some rest. Around 3.30, I was watching monitors and cameras in each room. All the patients were fast asleep. The 
cameras all cycled through about three seconds each on one small TV we had on the desk. Room one was fine. Room two was fine. Room three was fine. Room four, there was someone in there. It cycled too quickly for me to get a good look, and the doors to the unit were locked. Maybe the other nurse let his wife back in. I walked down the hall and glanced inside. There was nobody. I shrugged it off. It was late. I was tired. I was probably just seeing things. I went back to the desk and continued watching the screen. Room one, room two, room three, room four. I was not imagining anything. There was someone in room four. The person was standing in the corner by the window, their figure completely draped in shadow. I could not move my body. It cycled through again. This time it was closer to the patient's bed, by maybe two or three feet. The hair stood straight up on my neck. The next time it cycled through, it was even closer. It stood in the light coming from the hallway, but despite the light, it was still shrouded in darkness. It cycled through again, and it was right next to the bed. My heart started pounding, and I could barely squeak to the nurse on the other end of the desk. <clears throat> as soon as my words formed and I was able to make some kind of noise to get her attention, the alarm on the monitor went off, signaling that the patient had cardiac arrested. The overhead system came on. A card is needed in CCU room four. People poured into the department. Doctors, nurses, pharmacists, respiratory therapists. They all rushed into the room, but I couldn't move. It cycled through the rooms again. Room four came up, and this time the lights were on, and there were 10 to 15 people surrounding the bed doing CPR and slamming meds into his IV. Someone went to get his wife from the waiting room, but there it was in the opposite corner again, a dark figure watching this scene play out, just standing there. The man died of a heart attack. Room four was blessed that morning, right on schedule, and I put in my two weeks notice. Signed, Dizzy Miss Lizzie. <laughs> well, if you see death in the corner, I wouldn't want to hang around. I mean, if you see him, isn't that supposed to be an omen that you're going to be one of the next visited? Yeah, I don't know. If you see say. him on camera, is that the case? Not too many people see death and live to tell about it. So, I mean. Well, I don't know what the end of her story is, but so far, you know, this is just yesterday. So, so far, as far as me, she's still you kicking. <laughs> if you can see it, though, and it's not bothering you, maybe it is a good thing that maybe this is, it was more of a, um, don't worry, it's going to be okay kind of thing. Maybe? Don't worry, be Freaky happy. either way. Don't worry, be happy. <laughs> Adrian, you got anything? Nope. I didn't think so. <laughs> Should I do the next I'm one? I'm just here sure, for the... Sure, you can do the next one. I'm just, um, I'm just here to hang out. Yeah, Have fun. Yeah. It's been a very fun day. And... Shout out to our friend Natalia, real quick, for watching our little monster. <laughs> I'm also going to do a quick shout out to Elsie Lottie. Yes. Thank you, For allowing us the opportunity to be here again. I'm we really appreciate the it. And we look forward to having you on the show again sometime. Oh, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. And, yes. <laughs> and to all our listeners, yes. if you're in the area, Excellent. we recommend staying here. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It's a great place to stay. Whether or not you believe in ghosts, this is a wonderful, wonderful home. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Bigger Absolutely on the inside. Beautiful. It is yeah. a TARDIS house. It's a TARDIS house. 
doesn't look this big. When you come in and look around, it does not look this big. No. From the front. So. And I but still swear this second story, even though I know there's not. It's comfortable. It's elegant. I Don't feel it like? too, Tracy. I do. I feel like there should be something above this floor. Yeah. I, I do feel it. I think there is. There, there never was, so attic, was there? But no, it's just an attic. Yeah. But, but it seems like there's something else up there. Yeah. yeah. Another room or something. Something. But it is a TARDIS house. It is a TARDIS house. Mm -hmm. So we know somewhere on the earth, the doctor is wandering. <coughs> just saying. Okay, so the next one <laughs> is the kidnapping ghost as told on Monsters Among Us. In 1998, Joe relocated from California to Georgia to work as a manager at an auto body shop with his cousin. Soon after, Joe's brother followed him to the Peach State and rented a small house built in the late 1800s. It looked nice from the outside. It did not feel good from the inside, said Joe on the podcast. Things were off from the moment he helped his brother move into the house. I walked in the house and went, oh man, the hair on the, I stood up in the back of my neck. It just felt ill at ease. This place isn't cool at all, he said. Moments later, while carrying items in the bedroom, Joe says he heard a whispering, a heated whispering, almost an argument between two people that seemed to be hovering in the top of the ceiling area of the room, he added. Um, first of all, that thought, both dogs are reacting to something, just to let you guys know. She just woke with a start and she her eyes went <laughs> yeah um you okay Callie. you okay there just your eyes just went wide uh, Callie, uh Callie's <laughs> eyes went so did yeah. hers <laughs> well Callie was laying down and and what what startled what first startled me was that Callie like like looked up like I had made like a loud noise or something and was staring straight at me and then um sorry Tracy by the way Callie being our, our Pomeranian, by the way. One of our Pomeranians. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the other one here is sleeping in my lap, or was. And then, like, she, like, tensed, but, like, and flinched, but, like, like she's still playing asleep. Like, her head is still down, and she's otherwise very still. But I can feel that she's tense. She went rigid. She, yeah, she went, she went rigid, but she's pretty, like, her ears are twitching just a little bit. But she's, like, pretending like nothing's going on. Is there anybody in the hallway right now? No. The, the light is off. The light is currently off, which is it amazing because the, light, the light's never they can off this see long. Us. Mm -hmm. on and off. You know, you say that, and and but it's staying off now. Yes. And you guys are being physically more active yes. than you were yeah. when it was going on and off. Well, Elsie mm -hmm. told us about this time where she went across the street mm -hmm. and looked at the house, and the hall light kept going on and off, and there was nobody in here. So. And it does do that. Yep. Well, maybe somebody's placing a Penella off. That could be. Could be, could be. Why are you looking at me like Because when I was over there reading a book on the other side of the room, it was doing the same thing. It was flickering on and off. And I was still reading the book. Like, I, I wasn't moving at all. So, yeah. so the, the light is wired to the house. And it's so strong, it feeds on the wires. That's why it keeps being obnoxious in the blankies because it feels something like, went wrong. Please try again. Was that your phone? <laughs> that's my phone. Okay. That's not creepy. Thanks, Google. Not at all. <laughs> or thanks, Siri. Thanks, Siri. Yeah. Yeah, so, so Careful, we, we do have Siri here. Actually we have Alexa. So the house is equipped with Alexa in two places, the kitchen and here in the I saw the little dot downstairs yeah. 
Okay. Alexa Dot, whatever it is. You keep saying that name, and you're not supposed to say that name. <laughs> she, she must not be named. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't have one at home, so I don't know that rule. Uh, I don't either. But I'll take your word for it. The Nash one thinks I'm crazy, so it's all good. Shall I? Pardon me. Shall I continue to destroy it? Yes, please yes, do. I'm sorry. Where were you? I just, uh, like I said, something. Why don't I do a quick one real quick here? But this is, it's short. It's in the middle of her story. It's literally supposed to be done. I guarantee mine is shorter, but go ahead. Let her finish. The heated whispering, almost an argument between two people that seemed to be hovering atop the ceiling fan, a ceiling area in the room. He added, Joe ran from the room and asked his brother if he felt something off about the house as well. His brother picked up on the vibe, but after praying on it, the brother said that strange things would be all right. Dog flying through the air. As long as you're good, said Joe. I'm, and I'm not good, but I'm going to help you. I'm going. I'm going home, but I won't probably probably won't come back here. In the weeks that followed, there were more unusual recurrences, including a terrifying event in which Joe's eight-year-old nephew was taking a bath and set up to find an elderly man in the tub with him. It took about two days for him to calm down, and he never took baths after that. Neither would I. After falling asleep on the couch one night, Joe's brother awoke to find an elderly man and woman seated at either side of him, arguing back and forth over whether or not they were going to allow the brother and his family to remain in their home. The kicker, however, was when Joe's brother asked to borrow his truck one afternoon. After receiving word that his four-year-old daughter had been found wandering along a busy road by herself with her hand up in the air. Police and other agencies were called to investigate, and when she was asked, the four-year-old explained that she just gone for a stroll with the old lady. What old lady, Joe's brother said. The old lady that lives here, his daughter replied. She just wanted to go for a walk, so we went for a walk. The front door was too was far too heavy for a four-year-old, so everyone was perplexed as to how she was able to leave the house. The old lady opened the door. Then she petted the dog for a bit. Then we went for a walk, she explained. It was She was so genuine and honest for a four-year-old that they couldn't call her a liar. Shortly after, his brother moved out of the house, wondered why, never went back in. Joe still drives by the house nearly every day. Looks like a perfectly normal, acceptable house, except for what's inside. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Which one okay, was that so one? it was short. It was short, see? <laughs> Which one was that one? That was the kidnapping ghost as told on Monsters and Linus. Okay. Okay, Adrian, why don't you tell us your story next? The story also comes with, from Monsters and Linus, the 12... Stories. The ghost store. The ghost of the Stanley Hotel. The hotel opened in 1909 in Estes Park, Colorado. It was originally a posh getaway for guests seeking solitude in the mountains. As the years passed, however, occupancy declined, and by the 1970s, the Grand Hotel had fallen just into disrepair. It was around this time that the famed author Stephen King spent the night there in this in the now famous room 217 and was inspired to write The Shining, one of his most well-known novels. The book and subsequent blockbuster film helped return Stanley to its former glory, and now guests come in droves to see the hotel that inspired one of the scariest horror movies of all, of all time, the original. The remake of Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no personal commentary, just read the story. Eh, that's what the fun thing about this podcast is, lots of personal commentary. Well, we, de- we derail all the time. All guys. the time. Given its spooky history, it should come as no surprise that many of the visitors report strange happenings. Aware of the ghostly rumors, Texas resident 
Henry Yao booked a last minute getaway on in April of 2016 to check it out. After arriving, Yao had dinner, then wandered around the Stanley to take photos. Stopping at the staircase, he waited for people to clear the area, then took a picture thinking nothing of it. Later that night, however, you fell asleep ill, or excuse me, Yao fell asleep ill. I felt really sick. I had the shivers. I was like, something's really wrong, he told today. His companion suggested he go to the emergency room, but Yao refused. On the trip home, Yao began swiping through the photos he'd taken when he discovered what he said was a really, really strange image of someone standing on the stairs, except no one had been there. The next day, he posted the photo on Instagram, half-joking that he'd captured a ghost, and the world took notice. Almost overnight, Yao found himself in the limelight with his ghost picture, warranting attention from global media outlets, paranormal experts, who wanted to examine the photo. Some experts say there's two ghosts and other people said that the reason I got sick is because the ghost was trying to materialize, taking energy out of me. He said, there's so many theories about this. And what does Yao think? I have no idea. He said with a laugh. Dun, dun, dun. Sorry. It's a woman in an evening dress. Sorry, the picture's on the page. <laughs> it yes. looks like a woman in the Do you see a second ghost in that image? Because some people did say there were two. Control um, up. Got real quick. Yes. Whoa. There's a face on the floor. Can you see that? A face on the floor. They're, okay, they're really quietly analyzing. Next to the staircase, it looks here. like the body is on the floor. Like it's something like on the floor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You see that? See, look. Screaming face. And now I want to see. I don't see it online. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid I don't see it either. Show them the, the image. You see the yeah, face? I'm you looking see the at the image. And the bottom of the stairs. It's, the, it's not big enough for anybody standing there, but you look at the head like there's a head through the floor. Yeah. Oh, show it looks like a screaming. Yes, but we're looking at the image. But look at the did you zoom in or are you just looking at it? So at the bottom of the surface, I see the doll head, the body it there. It looks like a screaming woman, but I can't see that here because it looks like I there can't might be a face in. there. Yes, that's just creepy. Hard to say. <laughs> Sorry, but anyway, yeah, I'm not allowed to zoom on my oh my. I, I think we bored our, our listeners enough. Oh, wait, with wait. Is there or is there not a second image? The doll, look below the dollhouse. There's a scream, the doll head. There's a screaming woman. Well, I did it it's once. Referring to the section right yes, here. Yes, but it's but look right below the doll's head. There's a next to the on the base of the lamp. There is a screaming woman's face. I got to blow up now. I can't. We'll get take it your word for it. Okay. How about that? Here, look. Take a look at my phone. <laughs> oh, don't be <laughs> Yeah, I, I see. Fun. I see. It looks to me. It looks like a child. There. That's okay. a doll. But if you look below the doll, there's a screaming woman's the face. The doll supposed to be there. I know. No, there. but on the on the floor. Okay. Oh, let's just, there is a let's, doll head face. Let's okay. just all agree that there's an image there. We have yes. a podcast to do here, so <laughs> let's get on with it. <laughs> we don't need to argue about whether or not there's an image there. Listen. Thank you. So okay. I'm going to tell a quick short story here. In 1982, 69-year-old Marvin Brandlin was getting ready for bed after a night of handing out Halloween candy when there was one more knock at his door. Brandlin opened the door to find someone wearing a pillowcase over their head okay. with the holes cut out for eyes. Okay. The figure said, trick or treat, give me your money or I'll shoot. He then pulled out a gun and ordered Brandlin into his basement where Brandlin kept a safe. 
Brandlin, figuring this was a prank since only family members knew about the safe, grabbed for the gun. The person in the pillowcase fired, hitting Brandlin in the throat, killing him. The killer fled, leaving the pillowcase at the scene. Now, in 2010, the pillowcase was tested for DNA, but there wasn't enough DNA to make a match. Okay, then. Yeah. Huh? See, mine was shorter. It was shorter. Yes. <laughs> it was shorter. Do you uh, want to do the next one? Do you want to do that one, too? <laughs> I would love to do it. <laughs> see, I'm twisted. Okay, but, but let's not have any discussions over an image, as you see at this point. <laughs> hey, we're already running pretty late. All right. Yeah. It's only 11 o'clock at night. That's all. So okay. Tell the story. Also from the same collection of stories. The haunting, hauntings at the Lizzie Borden house. On August 4th, 1892, Andrew and wife Abby Borden were found murdered in their Fall River, Massachusetts home. Though murder wasn't uncommon in the late 1800s, the fact that they were bludgeoned to death with an axe and the main suspect was their 32-year-old daughter, Lizzie Borden, certainly was. The crime and trial that followed made headlines around the world. Lizzie was ultimately acquitted of murder, but she remains forever linked to the heinous killings, as does the home where they were committed. Committed. I can talk really. Now a bed and breakfast, the Borden home attracts history buffs and thrill seekers drawn to the scene of the crime out of morbid curiosity. I can talk really. To see for themselves if the house lives up to its reputation of being haunted. When I started working here, it was more of the history, I really don't care about the paranormal, Susan St. John, 20th century realtor and tour guide at the historic Lizzie Borden house told today, that changed after St. John experienced a few unusual happenings of her own. Guests tell us they hear laughing and playing in the middle of the night, things get moved around. She said, ex explaining that she once found toys scattered around a room that no one had been in. There was also a picture that fell over and slid two feet across the floor without any plausible explanation, plus a closet door that opens on its own, of its own volition. St. John said that the eve of the anniversary of Andrew and Abby's murder, she and two other tour guides felt sudden, sharp, piercing pains in their left eye, the same exact location of Andrew Borden's fatal injuries. Perhaps the most unnerving, however, is a story St. John tells of a tour guide at the Lizzie Borden house who asked her group to silence their cell phones before starting the tour. Moments later, a guest's cell phone rang and she looked and said, it's my mom. The tour guide asked if she wanted to leave and take the call to which the woman replied, she died two years ago. Oh. <laughs> That's the one for you. Oh. Okay, with that story, I think you just won Halloween. Yeah, right? <laughs> That's pretty creepy. You got a reaction, definitely. Okay, I'll tell a quick one here, if that's all right, unless you want to tell one, Tracy. You can tell a quick one. Okay. Uh, if there were a prize for the most morbid Halloween decoration in Frederica, Delaware in 2005, it would have gone to the body hanging from a tree. It would have beaten out the fake witches, skeletons, and jack-o'-lanterns dotting the neighborhood. For hours, people passed by admiring it. Of course, it had an edge over the other decorators. This was a real body. Police believe it was that of a woman who had committed suicide the night before. Yeah, that's not the first one we've heard about that. The one no. I heard was a man. Actually, the, there is another one. 
where they where they, there was a body that was laid out on a porch. Mailman came up to it, thought it was a Halloween decoration, sidestepped it to deliver the corpse's mail because it wasn't a decoration on the porch. It was the owner of the home who oh. died. Well, how about the one that was in the amusement park funhouse? That too, yeah. The actual body. That, that uh, which, uh, one of the shows we like to watch actually used it in an episode of their crime thing, but there actually was a body used in a carnival. Of a real person that they didn't know was real a person. They found out it was, yeah. I just remember getting phone calls from my neighbors telling me to let my mother in on the front porch. I'm like, no, that's Harvey. He belongs out there. I'll let him in. No, that's Harvey. He belongs out there. Well, what is he? He's my scarecrow. His name is Harvey. He belongs out there. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was a grim reaper sitting on the porch. That reminds me of one year when my brother and I made a sort of a scarecrow. It was actually a mannequin mock-up that we put at my yeah. parents' bar. We had stuffed clothes with other clothes, basically, and, and filled it out so it looked like a man leaning over the bar, hungover, drunk, whatever. My grandmother walks in and says, who's that at the bar? She thought it was a real person. Oh, yeah, you told me about that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, not Halloween-related at all, but my godmother, the, the, the stunt woman godmother, who's been in sets or on sets of, like, Planet of the Apes, the originals, Earthquake, Poseidon Adventure, yada, yada, okay, all these things. Walk into her house, and you see mannequins throughout the house. Walk in the bathroom, come out to a blaster pointed at your nose because there's now a, a Klingon. Although it does change to a visitor once in a while. The blaster pointed at your nose because when it you came like, to a what? She's got a visitor from the original V. Oh, so really? so so she I made costumes for the for the series that came after the miniseries. Uh -huh. She made costumes uh, for Kirk finds Klingons because. They wanted water water friendly costumes and yeah, anything. My aunt's in a lot of stuff. So you walk in the bathroom and you're at the right angle. You know someone's there, but you don't pay attention. But you come out and you're at the wrong angle and there's a blaster in your nose. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's cool. The other one was was staggering through the house, blinded by the sunlight in the backyard, and walk into a batleth. That will put you on your hello. I know my brakes were. Yeah, really those low. things are pointy. You want to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. But anywho. So, <clears throat> before you do, I wanted to ask Jess. Yeah. Do you have any spooky stories of your own? Some personal ghost stories or anything like that? Um, that you might want to share? Uh, Adrian might remember some of these. Um, they're not. They're not super spooky. Um, uh, two. One of them is. Um, uh, Adri is not my sister by blood. I did introduce myself as sister. Um, best friends for years, grade school. Sister yeah. from another mister. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. Um, uh, when we were in junior high, uh, there I kept seeing this black cat around Adri's house. And I'm like, you know, you, you, I thought you introduced me to all of your pets. Why haven't you introduced me to the black cat? And Adrian's like, um, that cat died years ago. It crawled into the organ my grandmother got me. I told her I wanted to take piano lessons. She buys me an organ. Yeah. <laughs> but so he crawled into the organ and we had to get rid of the organ. 
yeah. Um, Talk about an organ grinder. But yeah, the cat got sick and decided he had to go someplace to Yeah, it was a bad pun. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I missed that cat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, years later, and I'm like, um, so so, so why now have you never introduced me to this cat? So that that's ghost number one. I have just one thing to say, though. Adrian, what is it with you and ghost cats? I don't know. We've got two or three in our house right now. It's because your cats love you, and just because they have moved on to the next life doesn't mean they want to stop this one. Yeah, one of them came with us when we moved. I believe it. <laughs> but then, uh, they, uh, around about the same time, um, uh, I I kept. I don't know. It goes in a different sense. Never saw it. Um, uh, would smell flowers at at random times. Usually walking back and forth between Adri's house. And my house, or if I was with Adri, <laughs> and we were other places, oh, look, my ghost has brought me flowers again. This time it smells like, I don't know, do you smell roses? No, I don't smell roses. Nobody else smells roses. Why do I smell roses? Oh, this one smells like, I don't know what that flower is, but it's one that my grandmother used to have growing in her yard. Does anyone else smell flowers? No, I smell chicken. Somebody's frying chicken. And everybody else is like, yeah, I smell the fried chicken. I don't smell flowers. Like, there were some interesting smells when we walked around our neighborhood. Uh, let's see. We, we had, we had uh, let's see. the. Uh... But but I would, like, overpowering the smell of the fried chicken, I would be smelling flowers. Right. So. <coughs> Sounds like a message for you there, dear. <laughs> Probably. Mm -hmm. Think grandma's paying attention to you? Uh, I, or great grandma? My, I don't know about my grandma. I, I, maybe. Maybe. Okay. Well, what about you, Harlot? Have you had any ghost stories in your past? I've already been over a couple of that. I've already. Feel free to tell again. <laughs> or not. Don't make her put her under the spotlight. I just asked. She's she's perfectly okay to say no. I don't have a problem You're, with that. I am. You're pressuring her. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> You're just protective. Sure, I, if you I, want. You don't have to. I appreciate it. I just don't. I can't. You're, I am being put on the spot. I'm That's good. That's fine. That's fine. No problem. <laughs> All right. Who wants to sell the next one? I'd love to, but evidently I don't have access to the internet. It looks like uh, she's yeah. got another Just story. She's got another story. Well, okay. Okay. I was, I was okay. going to go say ahead. the internet has is, is, is been going in and out too much the way the lights has are. Um, this isn't exactly a ghost story. It's just a weirdness. Um, it's now happened twice. Um, and there have been two other occasions where it was a near miss. Um, apparently, I have this lovely thing. I, people tell me my eyes change colors. I've seen it. Um, but two people have, exactly two people in my life have told me that I had, quote, emerald green eyes. My eyes are normally like gray-blue. Um, With a nice, pretty dark ring around them. Yeah. The two people who told me that I had emerald green eyes, sadly, that was the last time I ever saw them. They both, uh, and mind you, that was like eight years apart, um, went over cliffs and died. I have told people, never, ever tell me I have emerald green eyes. I don't want to hear it. And by the way, if my eyes turn bright green, you know, watch where you're going. Um, 
Uh, I've had two people since then tell me, wow, your eyes are really pretty green color. And I'm like, if they're emerald, I don't want to know about it because bad things. And uh, both of them fell off cliffs but did not die. So... <laughs> All the more reason for me to say heights equal bad. It was nice meeting you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good if I don't. To see you again. So, okay. so now if your eyes okay. change color and my eyes change color, do we cancel each other out then? Nobody His dies? eyes change color. He gets really pretty green eyes. They go from a blue-gray. Um, they go to like a hazel. I, his eyes change all the time. But, but did, did, do... I don't do any of the colors do, do any of the colors pretend uh, you know portent yeah that one's happening yeah the blue gray only pretends that I get sick yeah when his eyes a... turn blue gray he gets really sick yeah usually like sick for a few days I cut the stories back up awesome <laughs> go ahead and tell one so this one is the grandmas of the cemetery is told by on monsters among us. Jeff, a resident of Dayton, Ohio, was driving with his three-year-old son, Miles, in the back seat when they passed a cemetery. It was a modest cemetery with only flowers and small plaques. It basically looked like a giant garden, he told Hayes on Monsters Among Us. As they passed, Miles, who would be happily singing, abruptly stopped, pointing to the cemetery and saying, Look at all those people! Jeff turned to look, but didn't see a single person there. Confused, he asked Miles what he was talking about. All those people were there, he said. There sure are a lot of grandmas. According to Jeff, chills ran out of spine. He asked his son what all the people were doing. They're all standing there, looking down at the grass, the son said. Completely unsettled by this conversation, he sped up and drove home. Later that same day, Miles was watching his favorite cartoon on TV when he looked at Jeff and said, you know, they weren't alive. Thinking Miles meant the cartoon, Jeff asked what Miles meant. Those people we saw, they were all paused. I don't know what, what if... I don't know if my kid has sixth sense or if he just has a wild imagination just sit in the podcast. Little column A, little column B. Yeah. Interesting. Children see things. They're not filtered. No. They have not no. been given the cloak. And I personally, I think that's a good thing. Yes. yes. I also think that if a child sees something and you're able to cultivate it, they will continue to. Yep. Mm -hmm. I can't prove that, but I like to believe it. Yep, yep, yep. Just so you can have it. So shall I tell another? Yes. Okay. I'm going to tell a story about a place called Kasha House. The Kasha House of Kayamuki in Honolulu. It's been shrouded in mystery for decades. Its first bad press mention hit the Honolulu Star just months after the attack on Pearl Harbor in 1941. According to the article, police responded to a call from a woman shouting, she's trying to kill my children. She's trying to kill my children. When they arrived, they found a young Hawaiian boy, his three sisters, and his mother all shrieking and being tossed around by nothing. About 30 years later, other occupants of the same home, or one a block away from the original spooky house, reported similar attacks by an unseen force, which the responding officers corroborated. The two most common theories surrounding the source of these reported attacks were a demonic shape-shifting creature of Japanese folkloric origins known as the Kasha, and the angry spirit of a corpse buried in the backyard. Though it has since been torn down and replaced by condos, the dark energy still lingers, according to locals and residents. I have heard that story. Mm -hmm. I want to say 
I have seen a, a blurb of the haunted show or something with that story, which is kind of cool to hear more about it. So mm -hmm. I agree. So you got anything for us? I do. So I have the ghosts of Stone's public house since Miss Adri is feeding her phone. Feed ball. Named one of the most haunted restaurants in the U.S., Stone's Public House in Ashland, Massachusetts, doesn't have a ghost problem. It has a ghosts problem. Janet Morazzini has been a resident of Ashland for most of her life and now works as a bartender and manager at the Inn, which was built by John Stone in 1832. Even before she started working at, John St at Stone's Public House, she'd heard stories about a little boy that died of influenza who was now roaming the halls. It makes sense that Morazzini, uh, sorry, it makes sense Morazzini told today, since it's been used to house, uh, used to house the sick during the Spanish flu pandemic of 1918. That's where they would quarantine all the sick people, and apparently quite a few souls have passed just due to that. Unfortunately, the inn is also a site for the ultimate for untimely deaths, including that of Mary, a young girl whose mother worked at, at Stones. Legend has it she was tragically stuck by a train and killed while playing near the, the railroad checks at the border of the property. According to Morazzini, a father and young son went outside to watch the trains go by while attending a private event at the restaurant. When they came back inside, she overheard the father reassuring his son that there wasn't anyone else outside, despite the fact that some claims he's seen a little girl sitting beside them. He's like, she was sitting right next to me. She was crying. Didn't you see the little girl? And dad said, no, there was nobody there. Just you and me, buddy. Other ghosts are said to haunt the old inn, including that of John Stone himself, who Morazzini said didn't die there, but is believed to be watching over the place. One night when Morazzini was closing the inn by herself, she heard footsteps walking directly above her on the second floor. I was just like, there's no explanation, whatever. I'm leading, she told today, but that's not all. According to Morazzini, lights turn off and on by themselves, doors open and close, and handprints appear mysteriously on the windows. Still, she doesn't believe that the spirits have bad intentions. I've never had that scary hair on the back of your neck gotta get out of here, out of the building feeling here, she has said. The processing of commercial information is complete. Back to the show. Adri, why don't you hit us with the next one? The Unexpected Passenger? Uh-huh. As told on Monsters Among Us. Is that a show? It's a podcast. podcast. Yes. It's a podcast. Okay. I don't know anything anymore. Not our podcast, but it's I a know. good podcast. I recommend you listen to it when you get the chance. You listen to that one, don't you? That and several others. Uh, yeah, you listen to a lot. In the 1990s, Julie, a resident of Portland, Oregon, was driving out the city to meet with friends when she found herself in traffic. The 18-year-old soon discovered that the cause of the slowdown was due to a dreadful car crash, and to her horror, as she passed the scene, she realized that someone had died. A moment later, there was a woman sitting in my passenger seat, Julie told Hayes on Monsters Among Us. Though she admits it sounds crazy, Julie said she could see a woman dressed in more clothes seated next to her, though she was in complete shock. The woman in the passenger seat was even more freaked out. She looked like somebody who just suddenly ended up in somebody else's car. Julie said, panicked, the woman demanded to know how she got there and who Julie was. It was then that Julie noticed the woman had an, earth, an earthly quality about her and realized that whoever she, 
She passed on the side of the road, was somehow in the car with her. Ma'am, you need to calm down. My name is Julie, and I'm here to help, she told the stranger. Julie later went on to explain to the woman that she'd been in a car accident and somehow ended up in her passenger seat. The woman was stricken. At the, that exact minute, they passed a clearing in the trees with some encouragement from Julie. The woman peacefully walked towards the sun, then disappeared. And completely, in completely, I should say complete, in complete disbelief, Julie pulled over and convinced herself she'd imagined the whole thing. Several days later, however, a story came on the news about a trucker injured in a car accident. Before they finished, they threw a picture up of the woman that was in my car and explained that she had passed away in the accident. Julie said on the podcast, it was unbelievable. It was too much. I've actually heard that one. That Yeah, that's pretty mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can do the next one. Uh, you guys ever heard of the Chop Chop House in Boise, Idaho? No. Mm -mm. Well, let me tell you about it. The house at 805 West Linden Street in Boise, Idaho was hard to miss. Covered in a layer of soot with windows broken and boarded up and trash strewn about the yard, the two-story, 2,728-square-foot craftsman-style home looks like an abandoned horror movie set. The true story, however, is much scarier. Locals refer to it as the Boise Murder House, or even more eyebrow-raising, the Chop Chop House, which is a glib reference to the gruesome homicide that took place more than three decades ago. According to many who lived in the neighborhood or even rented out a room in the house itself, the basement in particular exudes some haunted energy. There have been reports of shadowy figures appearing and disappearing out of nowhere, strange liquid oozing down the walls, and more. Yum. Yeah. <laughs> um, if anybody's interested in learning more about the Boise Murder House, it is featured along with a guest interview with Justin Long in an episode of House Beautiful's Haunted House podcast, Dark House. Okay. Well, I have checked that one out. Yeah. Yeah. So who's got another one? I got one. Okay. I got the Singing Church Ghost, continuing along with the the the, the twelve horror story or the twelve ghost stories. Alicia Diozzi, teacher and tour guide, sorry, teacher, tour guide, and owner of the Salem's Kids Tours, typically sticks to telling the tales of her long and diverse history of Salem, Massachusetts. However, there's one story Diozzi likes to share about the ghosts that haunts the first, Salem, first church in Salem, which also happens to be her personal church. The plot twist? Only children can see it. Sounds like the ghost at my house, or my mom's house. Um, the little ones, maybe aged four or five, will ask about the ghostly presence that they see up in the choir loft, the main sanctuary of our church, she told today. They always point to the same point, and when asked what they're looking at, the children describe a woman in dark, old-fashioned dress. Kids say she's in a long dress, long sleeves, and sometimes she can be heard singing with the choir. The church itself was built in 1836, but tales about ghost settings have been circulating since the 1960s, if not longer, according to Diozzi. She might otherwise have shrugged it off as tales of her own son had not uh, had, had her own son had not pointed up to the loft fifteen years ago and asked about the lady who sings the choir. Was she chilled? Yes, definitely, she says. I feel like the main sanctuary at First Church has that feeling. Do you kind of, you, you do kind of feel, feel the presence of the past? It's not a bad feeling, she said, but rather a history of energy or something that's comforting in a way. Very interesting. Do the next one. Sure. Adri. 
It's the prison ghost. I know, I just had to get there. Well, they <laughs> the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man as a picture, or part of the picture. <laughs> and a PT Cruiser Mini as the Ecto-1. Oh my gosh! That's adorable. It's a mini Ecto. That's adorable. It is adorable. Okay. And Ecto 2. Or 1. 0. 0.1? 0. 0.5? 0. 0.5. 0. 0.5. It's not even... It's 0.01. <laughs> uh, aside from being the location for the Shawshank Redemption, the Ohio State Reformatory is in Mansfield, Ohio, boasts an unpleasant history. I've always wanted to go there. Uh, it was originally built as an intermediate penitentiary in, in 1896 for boys too old for juvenile detention but who hadn't committed crimes warning prison. Yeah, like, anyway. I'll be quiet. <laughs> I have thoughts on that. After immediate success came decades of budget cuts. Eventually, it was converted into a maximum security prison. In the 1980s, conditions had become deplorable, according to Teresa Ar Argy, Argy? Argy. Argy, author and paranormal investigator known as the Haunted Housewife. That's kind of cool. It was a horrible place. It had this incredible vein of violence that ran through it almost from the beginning, she told today. According to Argy, several suicides, murders, and riots took place there, and eventually it was shuttered in 1990. You can imagine why a place like that would be haunted, Argy told today. There's something negative there. You can just feel it in your bones. And indeed, there are plenty of ghost stories from the old prison. We ran into female spirits there, which I thought was incredibly interesting, Argy said. One, she said, is the wife of a former warden who was shot with a gun sitting atop a box that she was pulling down from the closet shelf. Oh, she killed herself on accident. That's horrible. According to Argy, they, they've captured recordings of women crying, of a woman crying. The warden, most likely, they've even smelled rose perfume in the bedroom. Another spirit that's said to haunt the reformatory is a woman who sits in the prison chapel and cries. When you approach this woman sitting in the pew, she disappears. Other people have seen her walking, she said. Argy doesn't think she's part of the prison, though instead she believes the spirit might be associated with one of the objects donated to the prison while it was being restored as a historical monument. Then there's the malevolent, malevolent I can talk, I really can't, malevolent, I can talk, I told you, <laughs> not really, uh, presence that she detected in one of the prison's solitary confinement cells along with her paranormal associate, Kathy Weber, a psychic medium. As Argy began to ask questions, the medium told her that she needed to leave because the spirit in the cell was angry and didn't want her there. He would literally be cussing at me, she recalled. Still, they came back again and again to gather new recordings and photos that helped them determine his true identity. A former prisoner. Well, their sessions with the angry ghost were unnerving. It wasn't until the until he followed Argy's partner home that he, they were truly terrified. One day, she saw him through a reflection of her window. She saw this thing in the back of the the shadowy figure, and she knew it was him. She told it. According to Argy, the spirit continued to follow her partner until she enlisted the help of an expert to rid her of the ghost. Luckily, we haven't seen him since. Yeah, that would bother us. I'm always worried that if we go someplace that we're going to bring something nasty home. That's what I always worry about. Yeah. You know better, though. Yeah, no, I do know better. I ground myself before I go in, you know. Give yeah, fair warning. Hey, house, we're coming back. Just like we did tonight. Uh-huh. But you can't always control that. Sure. No. No, but then uh, I, Adri is sensitive enough that if something were following her, I have a feeling she would 
find a way to throw it off before going home. <laughs> I should hope so, because the last thing we need in our home is another ghost. <laughs> I don't think I'm as sensitive as I, I used to be. Well, there's that, but I mean, I still I'm, feel things, but not like I used to be. I, I, I have a feeling that the ghost... If it's something nasty and following you... Well, but I, I, I don't know which which ghosts you've got at the moment which cats are, are still hanging around your house would, would they throw a fit if something came in that should not be there or would cats they actually take off when cats are programmed to, to protect my, it depends my, on the cat my other mother that's true it does <laughs> my other mother when she was in japan so my, my parents were stationed in japan um cindy who mom's talked about on on the podcast um and Skip were, were at another place, another house nearby, and Cindy had Bukio, who was the cat who never wanted cuddles, never wanted snuggles. And that was a mom and dad and Cindy and Skip decided to play with a Ouija board because that was smart. Granted, you're in Japan where there's there's bowling, watching dub, watching the movie that changes every week, or playing with the Ouija board. Bowling, she was bowling. Anywho. Um, Bukio uh, never snuggled, but spent the night on Cindy's bed. And when Cindy woke up in the morning, the broom that was behind the door was closed. You know, the door was open, so it's pinned behind the door. Was broken in three pieces at the foot of the bed. Buki stayed on the bed the entire night. When Cindy woke up, Buki got off, and there's the, the broken broom. Like, yeah, cats will protect you. They are definitely protectors. Most cats, some cats will. Some cats will. Take off if they get freaked out. Some cats are chickens. <laughs> okay, the yes. cats in your house, I think Morticia and Wednesday, definitely the Graceless Wonders. Clutches, would definitely, yes. you know, protect you because the Graceless Wonders. And Tish has been all over your face. Not Tish. Wednesday's been all over you recently. So. Both of them. Yeah. Cats that don't want to be touched suddenly are all over me. Kicking as the far table. as Morticia goes, no one's going to attack me except her. So That's her rules. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, no, that's my chew toy. Mm -hmm. yeah, not a chew toy. I'm a scratching post. Oh, well, she. Yeah. He went to rescue her, and she tore up his knuckle with his hand. She bit through his knuckle. It was bad. So I have the scars. She got scared. She was caught and couldn't get away. Her toenail and toe were coming off. So. Yeah, not but she drank her blood. <laughs> Vampire cat. Well, no, so, but for cats, it's a bonding thing. Yeah, yeah. I guess. How about a story about Florida this devil worship? This is coming from a woman who can't have cats anymore. Yeah. But, yeah. I'll, a conversation over I'll, there, yes. I'll take the story of the, 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 uh, the Florida, Florida devil worshiping. Okay. Yeah. So, friends noticed that Daniel Harkins, a 35-year-old school teacher near St. Petersburg, Florida. Yeah, it's kind of a Florida man story, I guess. Florida man. <laughs> but anyway... Uh, this teacher started acting strangely in June of 2012, developing an interest in demonic rituals. Soon after, she was arrested for abuse of seven of her former students, as the Tampa Bay Times reported. Daniel Harkins told the kids they needed to rid their bodies of demons as the group gathered before dusk Saturday around a small fire near the St. Petersburg Pier. They should cut their skin to let the evil spirits out, police said she told the children. Then they needed to burn the wounds to ensure that those spirits would not return. When Harkins held a lighter to one teen's hand, the wind blew the flame out, police said. That prompted her to douse his hand in perfume before setting it on fire. The boy suffered second-degree burns, police said. 
Another teen was cut on the neck with a broken bottle, police said. Parkins used a flame to heat a small key, which she then used to cauterize the wound. Police were notified because a friend of one of the students who participated in the ritual raised alarms. However, none of the students themselves told their parents about the event or would comment following the arrest of Harkins for aggravated battery and child abuse. NBC reported, investigators said they've spoken to Harkins, but she didn't spell out what type of religion would require such drastic measures. She hasn't informed us exactly what she was trying to accomplish with this, Puets of the St. Petersburg Police Department said. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, well, you were reading that. Somebody went, well, the lights were on. Somebody went across the doorway after he had come over here to stand. Welcome. I was just, and I didn't get a bad you feeling. You said that, and the light came on again. Yep. Well, no, I, I was, I, I thought. Should I say to your I house, welcome. something like, Mahalo moved or something, but it wasn't. It was, a, it was a figure uh, about six inches from the top of the door, a shadowy figure about six inches from the top of the door that came after you've been standing there. And the light was already yeah, on. And, and I, the, the light turned on, but it was a brighter flash. That's why I reacted at you. But because it wasn't just the flash, it was another flash that I got at the same point. So it must have been at the same. Sorry, I had I to say mean, that. I wouldn't mean to react to like that. Wolf, I, well, lion, not wolf, different person. <laughs> same height, different person. But you say that, and, and about. Two or three minutes ago, my heart actually, my blood pressure had just dropped all of a sudden and came back up. And I thought it was nothing. But with that, it's like, okay. <laughs> See, I told you there was something behind you. <laughs> you read the sign, right? <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> I need to picture that sign poorly. It's not, it's not there just for show. <laughs> right? Sign in the stairway going towards your room. Oh, the creepy sign? You're blissfully unaware that something's behind, behind you. you. Yeah, yeah, I like that sign. I picture that sign. Shall I do my one? Sure. Uh, this is the ghost of Willoughby Coal. The Willoughby Coal Building of Willoughby, Ohio was built in the late 1800s and housed a variety of businesses, including a train depot, cheese factory, yum, and flour mill. In 19, sorry, I'm a cheeseaholic. So um, am I. In 1912, it became a prosperous Willoughby Coal, supplying coal to local residents before it was sold to Henry Windus and William Don Norris. In 1930, in, in, sorry, in the 1930s, over time, the relationship between the two owners grew contentious, according to the author and paranormal investigator Teresa Argy. Hey, we just heard about her. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> Henry Windus wanted to buy the business from Don Norris, but Don was unwilling to sell. She told today. One morning, Norris allegedly told his wife he was going out for bread and to check repairs being done in Willoughby Building. He never returned. Several hours later, his body was discovered at the front door. He was laying in a bloody heap, Argy said. After an investigation, it was determined that Norris's death was an accident. Argy said the ruling didn't sit well with his family. They thought it was that when Don Norris arrived at the property that morning, he was grabbed by someone or several someones who jumped him, dragged him up to the third floor, and pitched him through the window. Well, no one knows what really happened, Argy says they're confident the spirit still haunts the building. We have come in contact with him on many, many occasions, she says. Argy claims that others have reported seeing faces in the windows and police have been seen have been sent to investigate unexplained footsteps and other unusual occurrences. But Norris isn't alone. We've probably got five or six residents resident spirits in this building. 
you know, all of y'all are moving off to the side. What's going on down the hall that I'm missing? Do you smell popcorn? Yes. Did you make popcorn? Okay. I just suddenly I started smelling popcorn. I've been smelling popcorn in the past. No, I just started smelling I it. I thought it was something in my bag or something, but I'm well, just... I thought it might be our downstairs residents. There are people who live in the place. But does it smell like popcorn anywhere else or just in here? Just in here. <laughs> cool. Just in this I room. do smell it too. Okay, I'm not crazy. I was like, no. it's still popcorn. And it's been smelling there for like about 10 minutes. I know, yeah. I've been smelling it. It was just a sudden... I haven't been smelling the last 10 minutes. I just started I've, smelling about the last five like minutes. It's like popcorn slightly burnt. My problem is Butter that I slightly burnt. Yep. Yes. Don't but it's not like the, the popcorn, popcorn, therefore I smell the popcorn. Mm. That makes sense. I brought popcorn. I just never popped it. I'm not a big fan of the smell of popcorn. Had, that's why it was, it was so distinct to me. It was on the counter. And, I was like, that's why I asked. And there's popcorn above the stove. Uh, Is there? Yes. I didn't even see it. There's a fancy, fancy, fancy popcorn popper you did. Shall I do the next one? Sure. Okay. This one is a story titled, Come On In. Come on in. Sorry. One year over Halloween, I was visiting my cousins. We were all around the same age. Like any normal teenagers, we were bored. And with nothing to do, we decided to go trick-or-treating. My cousins lived in this really old area. All the houses were well over 100 years old. The entire place looked like something out of a horror movie. We knocked on a few doors. Everything was going good until my cousin dared me to knock on the house at the end of the street. Sounds like a bunch of movies I've seen growing up. <laughs> Thinking nothing of it, I walked up to the house while they stayed behind. As I knocked on the door, it slowly opened. Creaking noises and everything. It was really dark inside with just a little light coming from one of the rooms further back in the house. I remember thinking these people had gone all out for Halloween because this place was so creepy. I called out, but there was just silence. Beginning to feel a little creeped out. I was just about to leave when I heard a woman's voice say, come on in. There was no way I was going in there, so I just waited, and then I heard her say again, come on in. And then something like, we're here. I'm really scared now. I'm just standing there frozen because there was something about the voice that was so dark in there. Then suddenly I hear a loud band and what sounds like heavy footsteps rushing toward me from the back of the house, and that's when I ran. I would too. Yeah. My cousins were laughing at me, but when I told them about the creepy voice telling me to go inside, they stopped. Turns out the house had been abandoned for years and was known to be haunted. Thank you for that story, Jimmy Big Beans. Makes <laughs> me think of down the hall. Yeah. Over here. Not there. Over here. Not there. Where are the damn <laughs> That little story gave me a little chill. Yeah. <laughs> Come on in. Right here. The next one we say to you, sure. Do you sure. No, it's fine. That's not a common stitches. That's all. Phrase like, at all. No more. Going back and forth with the pattern. That's fine. They said, "Say, come on in. We're all dead here." So which one was that? Was that what we're going to do? Want to join us? The ghost of Captain Joseph White. Okay. Okay. Going blind. All right. Blinded by the light. Go into the light, ghost. Not these. Not these ones. They're these welcome. Are, are pretty awesome. These are actually pretty decent for the most part. Go if they want, stay if they don't. Mm -hmm. Unless you get a lady in the, in the kitchen's way. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Andre, how you many know. times did you get whacked on the back of the head? What are you complaining about? You're dealing with a handsy ghost. 
No, nobody's out there. Sorry for any disruptions during the podcast, folks. If you hear any any pauses, it's because something's just. There, there are things going on in this house. Made people take notice. Like the smell of popcorn. We are in a haunted house. Didn't defend anybody. (laughs) Go ahead and tell your story. Anyway, this is the ghost of Captain Joseph White. Which is aside, there have been plenty of other chilling stories throughout Salem's 400-year history. One of them is the tale of Captain Joseph White, a wealthy merchant who was found bludgeoned to death in his bed. It was a crime motivated by money, according to Giovanni Albazio, owner and tour guide at Salem Historical Tours. I'd love to do that. I didn't do that when I was there. The 82-year-old was allegedly targeted by greedy brothers hoping to get their hands on his will. Brothers Joseph and Francis Knapp enlisted the help of Richard Croningshield to help get the job done. Late in the evening, when Captain White is asleep, Dick Croningshield comes in, he goes upstairs to the second floor and takes a club and bashes the captain over the head and crushes his skull, Albazio told today. The murder resulted in scandalous trial and is said to be the inspiration for Edgar Allan Poe's The Telltale Heart, as well as the game Clue. Sorry, I had to sink in for a second. Whether it's the brutal nature of the crime or the revenge for the attempt to steal his money, the spirit of Captain Joseph White is said to still wander the halls of his former home. People believe Captain White is roaming around the house protecting whatever treasure he reportedly has, Abazio said. Tourists take photos of the house, and despite being empty, many pictures reveal shadowy figures in the windows and on the landings of the gardener Pingree house. It's definitely absolutely active, he said. Okay. Did you see the picture? That's the... She said clue, and the only thing that popped in my head at that point was, and this is how it really happened. I think yes. I watched something on Discovery. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, the, when she said clue, what popped into my head is, I am the singing telegram. <laughs> yes. No, communism is just a red herring. The last one that I have, I'll oh, yeah. Let's, well, let's do one more before we call it quits and, for the and night. This one's funny because what am I? Says the ghost nanny, as told us by Monsters Among Us. Yes, but that's ghost nanny, not ghost granty. She has to read the nanny. But I'm one. a nanny. I'm a granty nanny. You go for it. But I can see it now. I can be. I'll be at my house. Decades down the road, and grandkids will be coming through going, Yeah, so this is our granty, little granty mom mom. That's she's a nanny. She's well, the kids here. She's well preserved. Sure she <laughs> perfectly preserved. We're good. Okay. That will be your great, great, great grandkids. We've got just a few minutes before we finish, but she's got time to tell the story. So, we've got more stories, don't we? This is it. This is the last one? This is the last one. Oh, cool. So, Ghost Nanny is told by Monsters Among Us. Kip, a caller from Western New York State, told Hayes on Monsters Among Us the story of his wife who purchased a beautiful old home while they were dating. After buying the home, his wife invited his, her sister and newborn baby to visit. They stayed in the downstairs bedroom, and my wife was sleeping in the upstairs bedroom, Kip explained. She said the first night they came, she could hear her sister saying something out loud in the middle of the night. Next morning, Kip's wife asked who she'd been talking to, and sister replied, I woke up in the middle of the night, and there was an old lady staying over my baby, and I had to tell her to go away. But that was just the beginning. 
Lamps mysteriously moved, and once, while outside working in the garden, Kip's wife heard the smoke alarm go off in the house. She immediately runs back into the house, figures out the smoke alarm was in the same downstairs bedroom that's going off, uh, Kip says. When she opened the door, she said for a split second she could see the room was all she could see the room was white fog. Within moments, however, the fog had disappeared and the alarm went off. Convinced the house was haunted, Kip's wife reached out to a neighbor to learn more about the property. She learned the previous owner had been a 90-year-old woman who tragically died in a house fire. The neighbor ran over to help and discovered the garage was on fire. And once the house, or once in the house, they found her walker on the top stairs, but not the woman. It was determined the woman was in the garage when she died. Why did this 90-year-old woman get up in the middle of the night, abandon her walker she needs to get around, and go straight, go down a flight of stairs, Kip asked. Beyond that, no one could understand how she could have opened the heavy door and made her way to the car without her walker. Plus, what could have caused the fire in her car? The more that we thought about the story, the more it makes sense that she didn't do this. Somebody else did. The truth remains a mystery. When the Kip and his wife didn't stick around to solve, needless to say, we fixed up the house and got out of there as fast as we could and moved someplace else. That was an article originally published on today.com. Yeah, I don't think you want to be that, Annie. I don't want to be that, Annie. No. <laughs> but I, I don't mind being the protective mom beast that I already am. Okay, well, I think that's enough ghost stories for tonight. <laughs> we hope you folks enjoyed our podcast this evening. Um, I know we've been kind of intermittent, kind of uh, out there for a couple weeks where we didn't have anything for you, but we're going to remedy that situation. Um, we are considering going every two weeks. We'll keep you posted on that as far as whether or not we do that. Um, but for now, I want to thank our And, and our then intermittently doing the other two podcasts every other week, too. Okay, yes, that, that too. You, you were forgot correct. to tell me. We were... As some of you listeners might already know, we are part of a, uh, a network of podcasts, the Who in the Podcast, the What in the Podcast, and the Why in the Podcast. Um, and we are going to try to get those out on a more regular basis. But I just want to thank our guests for being here tonight. Thank Jess, you. Lion, Harla. And wherever she went. <laughs> Harla, Harla stepped out. Uh, I think she just stepped out of her door over there. Oh, she's the walking dead. Well, she's she's (laughs) got smoky treats, you know. Got to pollute her lungs. The walking smoking dead. That way the the brain shuts down. Her brain shuts down. Boy, am I glad I don't smoke anymore. (laughs) Sorry. Anyway. Say thank you to everyone. Thank you guys for being here tonight. And I want to thank the spirits of Bethany House. For being here as well and being very interesting. I love this We appreciate your interaction. It's not threatening. See, the, go- the ghost here, I don't feel threatened. I don't feel, uh, except when they catch me a little bit, but that's not threatening. That's more handsy. Um, <laughs> but uh, There's one that really likes you. That's all Yeah, I there say. was. I don't know who it is, but I, I, I know that they, yeah, we'll just leave it alone. <laughs> I haven't been touched too much today. So. Well, all I can say is I've enjoyed our time here tonight. It'll be nice to stay overnight, see what happens the rest of the night. I can't wait to come back. Uh-huh. And that too. I was about to say that actually. I love this place. Can't wait to come back for a second go around. Yep, yep, yep. But that's our show tonight, folks. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. Sleep. In the bed. In the bed. Under the covers. With you your eyes closed. Up. What are you worried about? You're not driving. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's this man here you gotta worry about. It. You gotta hope he has a good night. <laughs> 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 oh, I love it. Now that's contributing to a Air podcast. Well, in the meantime, folks, this is Kent, Tracy, and Adri saying Happy Halloween, stay spooky, and cue the gremlin! What in the Podcast is a part of the What in the Podcast Network and is available on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other great podcast formats. You can find us on Facebook at the What in the Podcast Facebook group. If you have a great story idea or have a personal paranormal event that you want to share with us, email us at whatinthepodcast at gmail.com with your story, or you can leave us a voice message by clicking the link in the episode description. If you like what you're hearing, please don't forget to leave us a review and rate us five stars. It doesn't seem like much, but it helps us more than you can imagine. What in the Podcast is also made possible thanks to our sponsors and listeners like you. Thanks for listening.